Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of The Todd Donald Show, a weekly podcast where artists and performers go to chat about nothing. Hosted by Canadian singer-songwriter Todd Donald. <laughs> Sorry about that. I was just drinking some coffee. It's Todd, of course. I hope you're having a good morning, Monday morning, or Tuesday morning. This is a new episode, of course. Well, right now it is. So, the interview, I guess. <sighs> we need to change that. Is it interview? What's that? Is it an interview? When you're just talking? When you're just talking. Okay. Well, I recorded a chat with... Sarah Godfrey, an old friend of mine, on May 11th, and there's a bit of catching up. So we talk about how we know each other and the people that uh, we rolled with for the karaoke back in uh, a few years ago. And it's been a few years since we had a chat, so there's a bit of catching up there. And then we talk about a bunch of other stuff, and it's fun. So let me introduce an amazing vocalist and a stellar up-and-coming singer-songwriter, Mathilde. And we're back. So the guest I haven't seen in a while, and she's a longtime friend, and 2013. The the reason I'm mentioning this off the top, and we'll get back to having a conversation, is that I kind of want to send a little dedication by way of Jeremy Bjork and and Peyton Rain. They are two of the sweetest people I've ever known. One thing about them is that they're gatherers. They want everyone to get together. 100%. And they're the ones that will instigate something that invites all of us out there. And they live in Stratford, but... How Sarah and I met was that they hosted karaoke every other weekend at the Anchor Pubs. Through that, Jeremy and Peyton created like a a big group of regulars slash friends Mm -hmm. that have incidentally gotten together outside of karaoke. It was a squad. It was like like the ultimate squad, I think. (laughs) And we've all seen each other in various states of drunkenness several times. Good Lord. And so the main reason for that is these people, Jeremy and Peyton, who love getting us all together. And Peyton's a a fine artist herself. They're such a power couple, too. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. And the last time I think I saw you was at Peyton's birthday slash concert. Yeah. Which I think she didn't know about beforehand. Like it no, was she kind didn't. Of a surprise. We surprised her. And it was like yeah. Jeremy and I planning like I think two weeks in advance. And just me keeping it quiet was really hard because I'm terrible at keeping secrets. Right. Did she, oh god she was i think she was cry, pretty sure she was crying and it was like one of those oh god i love her so much she's the sweetest little angel i don't think i will ever not play a show for peyton or like with peyton because i love her like her energy jeremy's energy like you were saying it's like they have this collective ability to bring in people like a yeah. family and that's they, they love people and it's so actually like it's so rare nowadays to meet people who genuinely just want to do well by other people yeah. i can't say enough. yeah <laughs> My guest happens to be a recording artist. Yeah. You've always had original music on the go and, and been doing stuff, but you're describing this current project with such excitement. It, mm. it seems to be on a level worth talking about. So let's talk about it for a bit. 
Yeah. So like you, I've, I've known you forever. And like mm-hmm. when we used to go to karaoke, that's when I was doing my first project. After I did that project, I had like a lot of issues with the music industry. Like I didn't really know how to navigate it. So I quit for like a couple of years trying to like find who I was because I think I had, I was very young, very impressionable. And I think my idea of the music industry was very much what I saw on TV, like that Hollywood aspect and like my ideas about like, oh, celebrity and oh, fame and oh, I want to be a pop singer on stage. Like I, that's what I thought it was because I was 16, right? Well, can, can, I, can I point out, they're all selling you the idea of it's, a dream fun land. And I unfortunately met the wrong people in that industry too. And there's like a lot of, I don't want to say just men because I know that like younger men get taken advantage of in the industry. I have right. friends that have, it's not just women. But at that time I was working with a management company who was very much like write simpler lyrics. Like your hook is, has too much wording. Like it doesn't make any sense, right? Write this. And like my entire idea of writing music, songwriting is my number one love was ripped apart and made into something that it wasn't. So like I quit after I put out a first EP, but the EP, when I just say that I made with guys um, in town was amazing. So I don't want them to think that I'm trashing them, but yeah, so I quit for a long time. I went to school. I thought, Oh, I'll just, you know, get into anthropology. I'll just be a normal person. Cause it's too hard. Three years ago, I met my best friend now, Cole Saunders, who is also in a band called the inclines. He's amazing. And two of his friends and we all sat down and we started writing a record. And at first I didn't realize what it was going to be because I thought I lost my passion for music and I thought I'll just do something for fun with a band. And now it ended up being like something that I'm unapologetic about. And I never thought that I would get to that level in music of being like, this is my, this is my art. This is my shit. Like, I don't care anymore. This is what I love. And if you don't like it, so what? And that's so freeing. It really is. That's what I wish everyone could be like too. I think there's this idea of pop music too that people have where it's like all like I know a lot of people who are really into indie or like underground hip hop or whatever have this idea of pop music being like really easy and like simple but pop music is probably like the hardest thing to write because it has to be original enough but also like generic enough that people want to listen to it yeah and then finding that medium is really difficult so there's such like this overall bad image of pop but it's really hard to write nothing against success because we're all human beings we don't want to hate our existence we want to have it easy it's fine i would sell out in a second if i had the opportunity but the point is like that industry it wants to rip away your authenticity 100 percent. i know so many of the artists that i listen to like i love zella day um she made an album called kicker and it was amazing and just like electro pop music in general and i find people's first albums are their best albums usually in my opinion because i feel like that was their starter album that's what got them noticed and i think a lot of people even in pop music in any genre are taking the independent route now because they don't want to lose that like artistic climb that they can maintain instead of selling out i guess and it's, it's a shame because um, I'm not going to mention the artist, but one of my favorite artists in the whole world, she did um, an album and a tour and um, her first album was amazing. And then was now it she's... Was it Golding? It wasn't. It wasn't. Okay. But um, she, she put out an album and she toured with it and it was incredible. And I remember being so excited when it released at midnight and listening to it. And then she put out a single after that album and it was very hip hop and had a rapper on it. And I was just yeah. thinking, you wrote such beautiful, insightful lyrics and no, like she's, she's getting her money. She's being a boss bitch, but like it breaks my heart a little bit because like I listened to your album because it took me on a journey and now I can't, I, maybe I'll listen to it when I'm going to the club, you know, yeah. 
I listened for the story and now I don't get that story. Yeah. I don't know how to express this because I hate the idea of getting older and, and feeling like there's just nothing that I could grab onto into the top 40. Mm-hmm. Like when we were doing karaoke, I was a late 20s, early 30s dude who still loved his classic uh, eclectic stuff, but had a lot of stuff that was in the mainstream. There's something that feels special about knowing that there's something that you love that also happens to be mainstream. Mm. I don't know why, but I loved you know Ed Sheeran's second album. I love anything that Pharrell Williams does pre-autotune because he does nothing without autotune these days. <laughs> but um, 10,000 Forms of Fear, I think that's the number, by Sia was amazing. She's so talented. She's so talented and she still is, but everything after that sounds like anything else. And then you have um, Ellie Golding who put out Halicon Days and I was in love with that album. Everything after that sounds like everything else. Mm -hmm. Like there's no Ellie Golding in her music anymore. There's no Sia in Sia's music anymore. Her voice and certain intonations of it are present, but it just sounds like they're putting her through the same grinder that they're doing with the other artists that those producers work with. But yeah, that that's good for shop. Are you are you so you're optimistic about this new record? How I'm, I'm so excited. What what's oh your Oh my god. What's your favorite part of the process? Some songs on the record um like I would write it, it was me and Cole literally like cuz the two other members of the band one left because he didn't he didn't want to really do music and the other one left um to go to a different band. So it was me and like my best friend Cole and he would either like get a guitar riff or I would have lyrics and we'd it was like, I don't know how he did it, but I would just be like, I'm thinking of a note and it kind of was like this and he would just play it. Yeah. And that's kind of how like the entire album came about of just like, we'd have lyrics and then we'd have this. And then it started to become a compilation album. Right. And then it was just a matter of like trying to find the pieces that were missing for it. But I definitely think like the songwriting part is the best part. As much as I love the production too, because we produced all like everything together too. The songwriting aspect is still the best part. For sure. This is from Phil and Sebastian Coffee Rook. What we're drinking is from Show and Tell Coffee, and the roastery is called Phil and Sebastian. How do you feel about it? It's it's amazing, and I don't usually drink my coffee black, but I'm it's so good, and I'm almost done. So that says something, because I've never finished black coffee in my life, and I'm finishing right. this, so... Well, I mean, Katie was just reminding me that apparently, you know, the people who brew it at the place downtown, like they're like, you shouldn't put milk in it or it doesn't need milk. And coffee on this level of deliciousness doesn't need anything because it's it's so full of flavor. Do you want to know my Starbucks order so you understand how big a deal it is that I'm drinking black coffee? Yeah. Okay, so I get a venti vanilla iced coffee with soy milk and then I also get caramel syrup California style so much sugar so the fact I'm drinking black coffee is like a testament to the people who made this yeah yeah, that's a big deal for me (laughs) is that milk based is that like a milk based coffee drink um soy soy milk but yeah do they put coffee in it or do they put espresso oh iced iced coffee coffee. yeah they're cold brew Mm -hmm. you know what's funny in another realm in time pre-Trump that's how long ago it was but <laughs> oh, <ew. laughs> in, tw- in 2015 I was playing some of my last like gigs that I would promote and put on Facebook you know there's this whole new generation that doesn't know that I ever existed with a guitar in public 
He's but, really talented, by the way. He used to sing Segway. He used to sing JT at uh, karaoke, <laughs> and I would I was used to nickname him JT. Remember that? Yeah. You were like JT. That's all you were for like everybody in the bar, and I really embarrassed you. And some people call me called me Happy Feet because I would dance. <laughs> I loved it. You got me to dance, and I hate dancing in public. And I wasn't even that drunk half the time. Okay, I probably was very drunk, but it was so good. There was one time there where I was I just broken up with somebody, and I was singing Coldplay, and I was crying on the stage, but I was blackout <laughs> drunk. I don't remember this. Oh, that's something that happened. No, that's so, great. That's so good. I was doing a gig in 2015 at Starbucks on Fairway Road. And I had this one picture of me that my friends Courtney Willis took that I put on the promotional poster that I gave them copies of. Because mm-hmm. they, they said, like, bring a couple posters down. We'll put it on the bulletin board. I was a regular at the Fairway Starbucks for quite a long time. Some of the people who knew me by name and I would talk to thought it would be fun to take one of the copies of the poster cut me and my guitar and my tank top out of it. I was in much better shape back then. They Mm. pasted it to their giant barrel of cold brew. No. (laughs) On the top of it, it says toddy. And a friend of mine who was at Starbucks while I was at work went there on the day they did this, Mm -hmm. took a picture of it and tagged me to it on Instagram. And I was like, what the fuck? Because the day of my gig, I went there and I'm like, oh, that's real. Awesome. Interesting. That's like celebrity status right there. <laughs> yes. That was good. I'm really sad I missed that. Well, I'm always full of coffee. <laughs> that works. <laughs> Not to be silly. What was your most embarrassing night or time at the anchor? Let's start with the anchor, I guess. Every time I'm like blackout drunk. There was one time that I got really blackout drunk. Um, I was with when it was a band, when the album was a band. And I was with my now ex-boyfriend and two other people. And we thought that drinking an entire bottle of vodka in shots in 30 minutes was a good idea before we went. Always a good idea. I don't remember that night. And (laughs) I ended up like sleeping in the bathtub in the morning because there was like no room. And then some Cole, like my best friend Cole had like a curtain as a blanket. And it was just like, I don't remember half of it. I just remember like it was really emotional and like we were arguing about stupid things and yeah. just never be the only girl in a boy band. Cause, um, you cry about everything. Like if yeah. a guy's like, wow, your, your makeup tonight looks interesting. You're just like, what do you mean? My makeup <laughs> looks interesting. And then you focus on that the entire night. That, yeah. that was probably the worst. It's a very personal experience having to throw up. You don't like the fact that you're at someone else's house and no. it's like you're puking in their bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, sometimes it's been on people's stuff. I have thrown up in someone's car before. Oh. But if, if you're at a good friend's house and they're your same gender, I've thrown up at dude buddy's houses only exclusively i only throw up at dudes places your uh, mind knows it's like yeah. it's like it's the guy's house matt it's fine you can throw up here that's just the only circumstance i've ever been in and i have thrown up at matt's house quite a few times even if he gave a shit that i had to throw up and it was his bathroom mm-hmm. he was too hung over to care yeah how are girls when it comes to their friends it's the same with girls i think it's like oh are you okay like unless Unless the girl that you went out with how is like crying over a guy the night before and like doesn't want to talk in the morning because they knew that they were really embarrassed about it. Girls don't usually care. Or they'll just like close the door and pretend it's not happening. (laughs) If it's like the night of and you're still throwing up, the other girl, girls have this like maternal instinct when they're drunk if their friend throws up where they like hold your hair and it's very much like the movies. But the next day it's like, we'll just close the door. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's what it really is. Oh, that's happening. Yeah. (laughs) 
those times when your friends are like your loving pets. Yeah. And you're just like, they're just doing their business. <laughs> I'm the kind of person that if like somebody's throwing up, I will throw up. So I'm usually fine if I'm drinking and helping somebody. But if it's the next day, like, girl, you're by yourself. You're doing yeah. that alone. <laughs> Everybody listening is like, she's the worst friend. <laughs> Would you ever make fun of your friend for throwing up? Just like, not like you hate the person, but they kind of like, it was like, they fucking rolfed. <laughs> um, I have a lot more guy friends and girlfriends. Guy friends, yes. Girls, no, because there's like girl code and it's like mutual respect that you like won't say it. I think maybe that's just me and my friends, but um, like the oral, like, like girls don't do bodily functions. As much as like, it's like a whole, oh, girls are like, it's open to do whatever. You can talk about whatever. Girls still don't talk about stuff like that. Like we should. I think it's case by case basis. Yeah. And I, one of my best friends who like I would go clubbing with my friend Lauren, like it was the kind of thing where stuff like that was just, you didn't talk about it, but it was just like, we didn't care either. Right. It just wasn't important enough to bring up stuff like that. Like, oh, you threw up in the bathroom. Big deal. It's. It's just something that you gloss over and you don't really talk about. But like guy friends, they all knew I was sick that one night I got hung over and they like didn't let me live it down. And like <laughs> it's now I like whenever I have vodka at a party, they're like, oh, you sure you want that? <laughs> and yeah. it's in front of a room full of people who don't know that story. And I'm like, are you serious? Right. <laughs> Thanks so much. But I guess if, if you're like alone with those friends, if you embrace it the next day or the next year, you talk about it like, oh, that was an epic puke, bruh. If you're a girl who's ingratiated in the gang as bruh, then you're like, that was a good puke. I puked it up and you yeah. high five over it or whatever. Yeah, I think with my guy friends, it's definitely like that. Where like, a I find it's a very different spectrum hanging out with two different groups of people because with my guy friends, I'm very much like, let's play video games. Let's like jam out. But with right. like my girlfriends, like Lauren, it's very much like, oh, we don't talk about that. We just yeah. go to the club and turn up and listen to like you know, Cardi B. <laughs> it's so true. I, I love her so much, but like she listens to really horrible hip hop music. Not that Cardi B is horrible. I'm not going to say that because she's a boss woman and she's making money, but there's some things that she listens to and I'm like, oh girl, girl. <laughs> when I'm around guys, I talk very differently than when I'm around um, my girlfriends. Like, my friend Lauren has a lot of only girlfriends. She's really hanging with a lot of guys. So she'll be like, oh, I just like, I love you so much. And like, oh my God, I haven't had Starbucks. I'm going to die today. And like, I'm, I just, it's very much like that. And I, my ex-boyfriend who I used to live with, I would hang out with Lauren for like a couple of days. And then I'd go back to my boyfriend and he'd be like, why are you talking like that? What's wrong <laughs> with you? Where did you go? Who did you see? What have you been doing? Are you method acting? <laughs> like, <laughs> You know what I mean? And then I'd hang out with the guys and I'd just like be sitting there. And I noticed my voice also drops an octave when hang out with guys right. and I don't know what it is. But is, is. Is that just an inclination to blend in? I don't know. I don't know if it's like my subconscious being like everybody's really chill. You need to relax. You're being a scary, scary person right now. Right. So just like drop that tone, <laughs> chill out. And I'm a very energetic, hyper person. And when you hang out with my girlfriends, I'm not saying every girl is like this, but my girlfriends, they're all very like uppity and like, let's go to the club. Let's go shopping. Oh my God, Starbucks. And then you go, <laughs> <laughs> you go to the guys and they're like, I, I'm not the one saying it. <laughs> this is my girlfriends. I'm like that too. I get like that when I'm with girls, I'm very energetic and I think it's the energy. And I love that about women that we're so the girls that I hang out with specifically are just like, we build each other up. Like we don't fight. We don't talk about each other. We're very much like, I love you. You're doing this amazing thing. Like my, my best girlfriend, Lauren, she'll be on Snapchat posting a picture of herself. And I'm like, yo, you look so sexy. Like I'm so into you. You look great. And it's like, sometimes you need that. And then with the guy friends, they'll straight up be like, you look like shit. <laughs> like, 
into your face do not care wow or they'll be like you look awful or like saras get a fucking kleenex stop sniffling or like they just straight up will tell you and i also respect that from them but i kind of like the difference in my friend groups you know? right about politics the school walkout like how all the students were in school walkouts i remember i was uh, somebody that was like friends with my dad on facebook posted about how like oh like the the kids are just doing it to like get a day off school or whatever and that made me so angry because yes of course there's a few people who like don't give a fuck about politics and walked out because everybody else was but like i remember when i was in high school my friend and i like we campaigned for like ndp at at that time let me just say so we would campaign we like went to all their fundraisers and just like i was one of those people that was really heavily involved in politics like senior year and then post high school this idea that our generation doesn't know what we're doing with politics or like the younger I'm 25 so like the younger generation as well being like oh they just walked out for a day off or whatever makes me so angry the fact that our generation actually gives a fuck about the world and politics is the reason that we might actually get past this whole Trump thing or whatever you know my mom's a teacher and all those like teacher cuts and like every all those like I saw a list um, on Facebook where like, all the art programs that they're cutting and like yeah, they don't give a shit about creative people. I didn't want to be a musician when I was in high school. Actually, well, that's not true. I wanted to be a musician, but like I wasn't taking it seriously and I never wanted to get into um, acting and copy on myself. <laughs> Cause you're boring. So sorry. <laughs> I had to point out that I spoke coffee myself. <laughs> See, yeah. So I didn't want to know I wanted to be an actress and like the person who shaped me the most was my high school teacher, Miss Webster, Stephanie Webster, shout out to her. Amazing. And I remember in ninth grade, I didn't know I could act and I went into theater class because it was either theater or art and I can't draw for shit. So it was theater, went to class and she said audition for like the spring show or whatever I did I got like one of the lead roles and I was like maybe I can do this and it wasn't acting itself that shaped who I was it was the fact that somebody saw me and thought it wasn't the talent it was like you need an outlet I had stories to tell and I had feelings to and I didn't know how to like put them out there and she saw that and if I didn't have that I wouldn't be in music there's times I think like if I didn't have Stephanie Webster tell me like, hey, like you should do this or hey, like I believe in you or check up on me like, hey, like I, I came in and taught her like senior class dance classes and like I also peer helped and did all these things and I learned so much from her and if I didn't have her, she just, everything she would say just like opened my mind, not just about art, but just about life yeah. and like I find that like art teachers are the best life coaches because they deal with emotion and like art teachers had this way of bringing out everything in you even if you weren't an artist artist and the fact that they're cutting that in school makes me so angry because there's somebody who's 15 years old who struggles with anxiety or struggles with any kind of emotional issues or just an inability to be social I wouldn't have had a normal social life or learned social cues properly if it wasn't for art class because I couldn't find I didn't want to do sports I couldn't find any medium in math I couldn't find like a place anywhere else except for art class and now that they're cutting those it's like how many kids are going to grow up without those friends or without those memories or without those like social skills they learned through theater to express themselves and that breaks my heart but I just one person doing that and like I would not be an artist I probably wouldn't be sitting here I probably would never have gone to karaoke if it wasn't for Stephanie Webster if I wasn't in emotionally invested in the story that you're telling me and the, the things that you're that you're saying, I totally would have started playing electronic keyboards to the <laughs> tune of the Stephanie scenes of Full House. I'm half listening, but I'm also both funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Soft pads. I really appreciate that. Yeah. 
You should never be taken too seriously. It's good. And then you have fuckers that I never gave a shit about school and look at me. I'm happy in that I'm unhappy and I all I do is hate liberals and I don't work and mm-hmm. uh you know, me and everyone I know's goddamn Twitter handle is I speak my mind and have no profile picture. Mm-hmm. And we just go on and attach the word tard to people we don't like. Exactly. Names. Fuck off. I, I got into a thing. but A bunch of my friends were having to deal with this troll that I don't know how they found my friend's Facebook thing because they don't know each other. But they went into it about that. And of course, libtard was part of it. And he doesn't even have a stance. He just hates liberals because all of his middle-aged cheap beer drinking buddies hate liberals and they douse their pancakes with the tears of liberals <laughs> or whatever. And fucking... You should trademark that place. It's so cold. <laughs> all of their handles are the same. They got like some kind of skull or American flag. Their thing is, I speak my mind. I, I say what I feel. That's the future, my, my dude. That's the future. <laughs> We're all going to be li- like ruled by like the eagle and American flag. And what's up, bud? Like, right. <laughs> that's our future. Hey, if you've been enjoying Todd's podcast, consider checking out Describing a Rock with Milo Axelrod. That's me. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. The show is exactly what it sounds like. A short escape from your busy life to slow down and consider a rock. My criticism about Marvel and Disney is that, or Harry Potter, I feel like half of it's a good thing when they introduce the fact that maybe Dumbledore had a, had a gay partner and yeah. that was uh, Grindelwald. Is that I think what it so, is? yeah. But I feel like at the same time, it's just like this old person going like, I'm hip because uh, one of my characters was gay. Yeah, I, I'm just saying that now. And I wrote Harry Potter, so it's canon. So I'm hip because Dumbledore was gay. Yeah. But it's not a bad thing culturally for the Harry Potter canon to have that. But don't do it because it makes you look good. The best way that I've ever had social justice I get put to me was one of my teachers who said like, we are on like a scale and the scale needs to tip like completely over in favor of like the minorities before it can be fair because people, people are complaining. Like, I think like, um, this is us. Is that the movie that just came out with like Jordan Peele or whatever? And people were complaining, people were complaining that it was an all black cast or something like that. And it was just like, it's so stupid because people of color and like LGBTQA are still so misunderrepresented. And like, and what makes me mad about things is like, like you were saying with like JK Rowling issue is like, it's not a normal thing in film. Like it has to be like shouted. You know what I mean? Like why can't people just be gay in a film and not have that be the main part of the plot? Why can't somebody just be a person of color in a film and not have that be the lead story? You know what I mean? Like why can't people just be people of color in film or gay in a film? And like, I'm part of the LGBTQI community. Like I, I'm not straight. So it's for me, it's frustrating, especially because like the the representation that we have in the community, oh, the main plot for the gay character is that they're gay. And it's like, great, that's their only thing. Or like the plot for the person of color is that like they're not accepted in school. And it's like, why can't the person of color just be the goddamn lead role and not be because they're a person of color? Like I've seen it on Tumblr. I've seen it on Twitter where people are frustrated about the JK Rowling thing where she announces characters of like whatever. My frustration is why is that the main part about that person. And I never want to be defined as an artist, as an artist, as 
the gay artist or the or the bisexual artist or whatever. Well, I want to be. Let's not forget a lot of people who compliment what you do will say she's a great female artist. Yeah, that's frustrating too because it's like compared to what? Yeah, you're like the artist thing is like dominantly male or. Well, you're, it's it's because the, what they're saying is she's good for a girl, and that's frustrating. That's super frustrating, yeah. and it's like in film, like I just I hope we get to the norm of people of color being in lead roles and people in the LGBTQA being in lead roles, the label of who they are, whatever, isn't the main plot line. And I think it's slowly getting there in Hollywood, but I think we need to, like I've been told, tip the scale completely in favor of people of color, people in the LGBTQA before it's normal and fair. You know what I mean? Well, I was too young to hear the, the main conversations, but I was alive when the main conversations about human beings was belonged to Generation X. Mm-hmm. And Generation X gave themselves high fives over like, oh, we had an episode with a gay character in it. That 70s show had the episode where Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt hits on Eric, right? And then uh, Kevin Smith puts out Chasing Amy about Ben Affleck falling in love with and trying to convert a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And then, but there was another gay male character in that who was also black. And they're like, hey, we have some content for, for others we didn't call it others it wasn't hashtag there was no internet it was just like humanity never got along so well as when generation x thought that their protesters who were outside with signs but now we have the internet so we can do it from our phones yeah and people have never what's the opposite of getting along (laughs) been at war with like our (laughs) species some people are like we want justice and some are like we want revenge I think there's a learning curve too that we're doing as a society where there's call out culture right now where if you say something because you're ignorant but you're not meaning to be ignorant you just don't know there's the tendency right now where if you say something wrong and you don't know it's wrong because you don't know any better people will attack you for it and that's really scary because we do live in that generation where we have access to technology so let's say I say something that's ignorant because I don't know any better instead of correcting me and calmly being like no that's incorrect Sarah like this is what it actually is people will jump at you or talk about you and like I I've had my ignorant moments I've and especially like when it comes to feminism um, feminism is like not being against women and for like women being against women I think that's a big thing right now too is like it's a long learning process we're so used I was told this by um, one of my friends who's a guy actually and it was like the smartest thing that I've ever heard because I don't know I don't pride my gender Um, on being smart keep going but (laughs) but he said that women usually flock together when they have somebody that they don't like mutually and it's really easy to become friends with other women when you don't like somebody else and that's so true that I've like from what I've noticed from experience and like I've been there i I have such a learning curve where like I used to be a bitch to women and like we all have those times in high school. Every girl is guilty of talking about another girl. There's not one person in the world who hasn't, but like willing to grow from that and willing to change that and willing to look at yourself and be like what I did and who I talked about, it was really shitty. I need to be a better person. If you can genuinely look at who you were and say, Hey, I really fucked up. I really said some terrible things. Like I was not a good person to a girl or a guy. It doesn't have to be, but like if you're willing to grow from that, I think that is feminism. I think that is learning like how to live in this world. It's about self-evaluation too and forgiveness because I notice a lot of a lot of people are not able to forgive somebody for the mistakes they've made in their past. Like if if you've done something wrong, this is guys and girls, if you've done something wrong socially, 
a lot of people will st- like see the thing that you've done in the past, regardless right. of you trying yeah. to learn from your mistakes yeah. and say, hey, yeah. you did this three years ago. You're a shitty person, regardless of yeah. the work that you're putting in to be better. You know what I mean? And I struggle with that. I've, I, I did some really shitty things in college where like I said things about people that I was not proud of and I got it back to like they were just as guilty to talk shit about me. Yeah. And I spent my entire last year trying to amend that, but wasn't allowed to because they couldn't, they couldn't forgive me or they couldn't see past the one thing that I'd said, even though they would do the same thing. And this is me being like, they did it and I did it or whatever. You have to get over the things that people have said. People who are racist now are, are really homophobic. If they are willing to hundred percent, honest to God, get over it, apologize for what they've said and what they've done and be better people. We need to forgive that or we're, we're just as bad. Honestly, we really are because we're never going to grow as a society if we can't learn to forgive somebody who's genuinely trying to be better. You know what I mean? I, and you know what? I'm The mark of my age is the fact that I've witnessed the internet become mainstream mm-hmm. and I had an existence prior to that. So did I. The world looked differently in how we evaluated each other. On the one hand, there was a lot of things that I got out of later in life being bullied. I can agree with people that. People can be fucked up and become murderers if they're bullied at the wrong points in their life <laughs> and the, by the wrong people. But I was like bullied by people who like, maybe they were fighting aggression, maybe they were abused. Like I had the kids who, who said all right, school's out and this is time for the three of us to put you in a corner and like kick your shins a little bit mm-hmm. and whatever. Like, but they didn't like fuck me up, but I didn't like it either. I cried. A certain amount of name calling will strengthen you in certain ways because you can become yep. immune to it or whatever. But for being who you are is a different thing. Being bullied as a straight white kid who didn't even know he was straight. He was just a kid. That's small potatoes to someone being like, you know, how dare you be black? How dare you be a woman? Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not laughing at that. I'm I'm laughing at this idiocy of yeah. of people. <laughs> After that pause, you're gonna think <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. My reaction to to the conversation is I should probably wrap it up, otherwise I'm gonna have have a shit time editing. Not because I not because I want hate our voices, but because too much good stuff. It's good. And the point. This is good podcasting. Yay! I'm happy because we did talk about your music. I think you're one of the most talented voices that I Aww, know. Thank you so much for saying that. Well, I can't wait to hear the new music that you've been talking about because I have no idea what to expect other than your vocal talent. And I also got to have us just talking. Yeah. Which is all I want from doing podcasting. And it's great to catch up and see you again. Glad you like the coffee. I do. Uh, anyway, thanks for coming. And do you have any online stuff that you want people to find? In like a month. <laughs> so everybody sorry no <laughs> there's there's nothing don't even I'm super secretive you should see me like all my emails are like do not send this do not leak this out to people i'm very secretive right now when it's out i will i will share stuff on yeah the that'd be awesome thanks okay. so much also there's still time in the month of may and early june to um go to the modroom.com a completely unrelated project this is the kickstarter for shannon sossman's av variety show even the smallest donation helps go support local live music because lord knows the government hates it (laughs) bye thanks for listening to another episode of the todd donald show starring produced and edited by todd donald the piano music in the rap is by jp sunga who you can find at jpsunga.com the theme music is Mackie Alkino by William Chernoff. Find him at chernoff.band.
And I'm Milo Axelrod, Todd's favorite bar none human voice. And I'm not bragging, he wrote this. If you'd like to hear more of my voice, check out my podcast, Describing a Rock, in which I describe some rocks. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Please support The Todd Donald Show by sharing it with anyone who might enjoy it. Follow and interact with at Todd Donald Show on Twitter and Instagram. And if you feel like going the extra mile on iTunes, please subscribe, rate, and review, preferably in its favor. Have a great day, friends. Thank you.